out. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hear Me Out. My name's RJ. My name's Blay, and this is the podcast where two best friends, RJ and myself, try to become better friends by selfishly getting the other person to like a new hobby or new interest. Every week, we bring an expert guest. We have a new issue, and either RJ or myself donate to a charity. RJ, what is the charity... You or I, whoever the loser is today, will be donating to. All right. So today's charity is super cool. It's called Angel Flight West. Uh, they have a network of over 1,400 volunteer pilots. Uh, it's based in Santa Monica, I think. And they transport people whose lives are in turmoil, financial, physical, or emotional burdens oh God, uh, that might, they might be struggling through. And uh, they transport them to difficult places. Uh, so angelflightwest.org if you guys want to donate as well. It's super I cool. love that. You know, sometimes you pick a dud. I'm not going to lie, man. I can only usually. speak truths. Yeah. No, not usually, but you know, a good 80 to 95% of the time it's duds. <laughs> but this time it's the 5% you picked a good one. All right. So interesting. So what is the topic, RJ, we are talking about today? So today I am going to try and convince you, Aaron Blant, what? to be a pilot. I think you and I should get our private pilot's licenses. Like pilot up in the air pilot? Like an airplane pilot. Okay. Right. That's right. That's right. Wow. Uh, and right. I have brought an expert. He is the host of the podcast, the Airline Pilot Guy Show, Captain Jeff Nielsen. Thank you so much wow. for joining us. Hello. Oh, great to be Thank here. You, Captain. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Oh, man. So cool. So I have to say... I've always wanted, I feel like I don't get any respect in my life, nor do I deserve any. <laughs> no. But like Captain is amazing. Captain <laughs> it's the coolest. Jeff. Yeah. Captain Jeff is the coolest. And uh, I also want to just point out, Jeff, you have the perfect, just before we even start, you have <laughs> sure. the perfect pilot captain voice. It oh, thanks. Just, I feel like I'm sitting on a plane right now being soothed by the guy flying the plane. And I have a perfect captain mustache, too. Don't forget that. You, you actually you do. You absolutely <laughs> do. What kind of a pilot? Uh, what kind of a pilot are you, Captain Jeff? Well, as everyone knows in uh, the aviation industry or aviation world, that the best pilots in aviation are pilots that have mustaches and that includes the female pilots as well so just going to throw that out there exactly. uh, no um what was the question <laughs> no what kind of pilot are you, you uh, oh what kind of pilot what kind am of I? planes do you fly oh okay yeah. well i'm an airline pilot and so this subject is uh you know i'm not a general aviation pilot i was a long 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 time ago when i was learning how to fly uh but uh i am not a current uh, general aviation pilot, nor am I a, a certified flight instructor. Um, so, but I do know a lot about this sort of thing because doing the uh, podcast, I'm the host of a um, aviation podcast. I learn a lot about stuff like general aviation and corporate aviation, et cetera. So uh, I, I have, you know, some, you know, some street cred when it comes to this sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, my, my main thing is uh, flying passengers around in uh, airliners, uh, every week. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's so explain a little, uh, explain to us a little bit how that works. Like take us through a day in an airline pilot's life. Like what is, what is your work day? Your office is flying thousands of feet above the air. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, what, what is your work day? Like? Okay. And this, this is different, uh, or can be different depending on the type of airplane that you're flying and what kind of, um, what kind of mission it has or what kind of, um, you know, flying they do. For instance, uh, I could be flying on the wide body stuff, uh, international flights, long haul, we call it, or ultra long, uh, haul, or, uh, you, I could be doing what I'm doing right now. And uh, I've been with, um, my airline for more than 32 years now. So, you know, I'm senior and, um, because of that, I can pretty much fly anything, but I, I choose to fly one of the smallest airplanes in our fleet. And that's because my seniority, because in the U S and the airlines, uh, generally speaking, seniority is King. It's like, you know, location, 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 and real estate. Well, in the airline world, it's seniority, seniority, seniority. And that means your schedule and the kind of airplanes you fly and the trips that you fly and vacations, everything are based upon your individual seniority. And I'm number two on the airplane that I fly right now. And so that means I get to look at the trips every month, you know, a month ahead of time. And uh, I can basically choose whatever I want. There's only one person ahead of me and uh, we communicate and he tells me what he's going to, he's going to bid for the next month. And I look to see if there's any duplication and usually there's not. And I get, you know, whatever I choose. So it's really nice. Um, and I like, you you know, flying the, I'm sorry. Um, I really, I really do like flying the, um, the kind of flights that this particular fleet flies. It's basically, it's the most modern version of the DC nine. It's the Boeing 717, um, Boeing bought McDonnell Douglas back in the nineties. And, uh, so this is a Boeing 717, but it's really a a DC nine. And, uh, it's, um, you know, it flies short, medium range kind of flights, flies into smaller towns and cities and also medium and large ones as well. You know, Chicago O'Hare and all the, you know, the big New York airports and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of a little bit or a lot of variety on this, on this jet. And, uh, and I like it because, you know, the typical flight, um, length on this is about, about an hour. Um, and I like the shorter, uh, flight segments and that kind of thing instead of flying all day long for, you know, 10 hours, 15 hours to get to where you're going um, and going through multiple time zones and everything else. I pretty much stay in the same time zone, mostly Eastern U.S. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. How I, you know, I have to ask like DC nine, like how does a, a, the size plane that you're flying compare to these larger behemoth you know, like uh, where you're going to like Abu Dhabi or, you know, a mm-hmm. 19 hour flight. What, when you say it, it flies different, what, what does that mean to a lay person? Like in terms of a car, are we talking about like you, the plane you like to fly is more uh, like a sporty, mm-hmm. like a, like a Honda Civic versus a van or, you know, to put it, I'm very stupid. Yeah. So to put it in my turn, <laughs> no, I, how would you, how would you, how does it, uh, that's a great question. And, yeah. and that, and that's a good, um, you know, um, whatever, uh, what am I trying to find? The, um, ah, sorry, I'm tired. Um, we could cut this out. Analogy. (laughs) Analogy. Exactly. That's what I'm, I'm, I I need to have my producer director in my ear, uh, in my talkback (laughs) channel and she'd be yelling out words for me. And then she's not here to help me. Um, anyway, uh, the voices in in my head scream at me all. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, I think psychologists and psychiatrists can help you with that. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's a good analogy because the um, uh, you could fly, you know, you could drive a, a sports car or whatever, a, a Civic or I, I have a Honda Accord, you know, nothing fancy. Uh, or you could uh, fly, drive a van, and uh, but you know, in today's modern technology, these vans, I mean, they don't feel like the vans of of the sixties and seventies, they, they drive pretty well, not quite like a sports car, but you know, they, so this is the same equivalency in the airline world. Uh, even the big jets, the you know, twin aisle wide body jets that fly to Abu Dhabi or wherever, you know, the long haul stuff. Um, at first, when you first start flying, the biggest thing I flown was a, a Lockheed L-1011 TriStar, a jumbo jet. Uh, and sadly, most have been retired now, but you know, at first when you get in it, you're thinking, oh my God, this thing's like flying a city block. And, you know, the I, yeah. with your line check airman, you know, you're looking out the window trying to land at LaGuardia and, and you look and you go, really? We're really, we're going to land on that little <laughs> tiny runway? We're going to fit? Yeah. yeah and yeah. it goes, yeah, we do it all the time, every day, several flights a day. I went, okay. And, uh, but then, then after a while, like about, you know, a few weeks to a month or so, you, you kind of forget that the thing you're flying is this big giant thing. It's just, now it's just your vehicle. And uh, so, you know, the same thing with a, with a car, you know, when, when you first get into a, a van or a, or something bigger, you know, you just feel like everybody's looking at you and you're just huge. And, and then you realize, well, I'm just like another vehicle out here and it's not really that big yeah. of a deal. It just drives like anything else. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Do you have, do you have a favorite, airport I, i'm kind of we've kind of established on the show in the past i'm obsessed with airports mm -hmm. for whatever reason i'm fascinated yeah. by them do you have a favorite hmm i you know i like them all i mean i hate and that's not the answer you were looking for i mean it's usually the the question is like what's the worst airport like which one do you hate and a lot of people will say and i know pilots that i fly with purposely bid away from certain places like LaGuardia. Um, okay. Washington national, because, you know, it's, it's, uh, a lot of traffic and the runways aren't that long and that sort of thing. Um, I really enjoy flying into those two airports, but once I'm on the ground, especially LaGuardia, <laughs> then I wish I were somewhere, anywhere else, anywhere, because else. it's yeah, just yeah, a yeah, mess exactly. once you're on the ground, but the <laughs> yeah, approaches yeah. that we fly into there are fun. You know, the, you know, especially they have yeah. something called the expressway visual where you're coming in and you, you know, you know, call the tanks and then you, okay, we have the tanks in sight. Okay. You're cleared the uh, visual approach and you fly down the uh, long Island expressway or up the expressway. And then, you know, the, um, uh, the old uh, world's fair area and, uh, yeah. and the near where all the tennis, um, open tennis, open, uh, championships are sure. and all that kind of stuff are, are right there. And you're just kind of curving it around and, and, uh, you, you land on the, on the runway there three, one, it's very, it's a great approach. I miss that. Um, uh, I haven't been in there for several years now, unfortunately, but that that's wild. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, that the craziest thing I think to me, again, I, I think my relationship to distance, I would guess is very different than yours. Mm -hmm. Like I, I sat next to a pilot once, um, who was just taking a flight with me. He was a passenger with me. Mm -hmm. He struck up a conversation and he would do a loop. His loop was on, would be to like to Hong Kong. Mm. He was like on this long haul. Loop. Right. And I was like, isn't it, is, does it ever blow your mind that you are like in Hong Kong once a week? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, do you have a favorite spot? He's like, oh yeah, I got a favorite restaurant. They know my usual there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, 
but it's in Hong Kong. <laughs> you know, like, and it's insane. Does that ever, like, it, does it ever kind of blow your mind that, like, you at, at routinely are traveling thousands of miles like it's down the street? When you, when you first start doing it, it's like, it blows you the same thing. It just blows your mind. Like, wow, I cannot believe that I'm this part of the world this day. And the next day I'm in like the other side of the world and, you know, coming. And and then after a while, it just starts becoming normal. You know, it's, it's uh, not something that really kind of makes you go, wow, it blows me away. Um, and like right. for a, a good example of that is uh, when I flew the uh, L-1011 TriStar, um, we'd fly, we had basically three trips. So we they all had long layovers in Hawaii. And you'd think that's that, you know, <laughs> laying over in paradise um, would be, I mean, you can't get any better than that. But even after a while, you know, you're like, okay, um, it's cool. The weather's perfect. It's always perfect. Um, you know, the, yeah. the beaches are beautiful and the hotels and all, you know, the restaurants, the food, everything's just awesome. But after a while you go, okay, I've done, I've been here, done, done this. Yeah. yeah I'm ready to do something else now, you know? Uh, it's no LaGuardia. Yeah, it was definitely that about Hawaii. It's no LaGuardia. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. You you know a lot Take about flying. <laughs> I'm already there. You're there, man. How did uh, you how did you first get into uh aviation? Well, I've ever since I was a little kid, I, I just love, you know, you hear an airplane, look up, oh, what what is that? You know, and, and just uh I, I grew up in the LA area. And so when my parents would uh, you know, have us all get in the car and take somebody in the family to the airport or pick them up from LAX or friends or whatever, I just uh, just loved just the sounds and the smells of burnt jet fuel. It just, there's something about that smell that, I mean, any, any pilot that you talk about, talk to is going to say the same thing. I know I guarantee it. And uh, watching the pilots and the flight attendants, you know, walking down with their suitcases. And then back in those days, they didn't have rollerboards. They had big old, you know, Samsonite suitcases and that kind of thing, flight kits. And I thought, wow, this is so amazing. What an adventure. Get to fly these amazing airplanes and the smells and, and you get to travel all over the world and all these exotic places. What a glamorous lifestyle. And, uh, so I just became bitten by the bug way back when I was really young. And as I got a little bit older, I, uh, started working, um, you know, part-time jobs at, uh, FBOs, which is a fixed base operation. Uh, if you go and get, um, some training and flying, you'll, most likely know exactly what I'm talking about. The fixed base operation where, where all the, you know, smaller airplanes, general aviation airplanes kind of live and are parked in front of, and they have some hangers and that sort of thing. Um, and so I, I worked part-time at these FBOs and kind of hang just to hang out at the airport and hang out around airplanes and talk to pilots and uh, just get their advice because, you know, Hey, I want to, this is what I want to do for a living. You know, how do you have advice for me? How do I do this? And, um, back in the, uh, I'm an old guy, I'm uh, 62 and, uh, back in the seventies is when I was, you know, really looking at, okay, I'm serious about this. I want to do this for a living. Uh, how am I going to do this? And I realized that the people that were getting hired by the major U S airlines were mostly people coming out of the military. And I thought, ah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go in them. I, I didn't, I didn't come from a military family, knew nothing about the only thing I knew about military was what you see in the movies. I figured, you know, I'd be living in the barracks and eating in the mess hall and that sort of thing for the whole time. Yeah, I was, yeah. I didn't, I had no concept. <laughs> 
And so I thought, I'm not doing that. So I, I got some advice from my dad and his um, peers and they said, oh yeah, you need to go and you need to get an engineering degree and you need to get a MBA and all this kind of stuff and you're going to be set. So off I go to Georgia Tech. By this time we were living in Mobile, Alabama and I went off to Georgia Tech for my freshman year, you know, good engineering school and I hated it. Um, I just like, <laughs> I don't, I, nothing about it I liked. And I thought, okay, well maybe if I, maybe it's a school, you know, I moved from Georgia Georgia Tech to Auburn University in state in Alabama, saved some money for my parents. And I knew some people from high school, you know, more familiar. And uh, so I switched to electrical engineering and I'm still thinking, wow, I'm not really, I thought I was a smart guy. You know, I was like pretty smart in high school. And I just realized this stuff is way harder than I, I was expecting. And I kept thinking to myself, you know, I'm banging my head against a brick wall. I can't picture myself being an engineer for a living. And nothing wrong with it. It's just I couldn't picture myself doing it. I thought, yeah, I really want to fly airplanes. Okay, how am I going to do that? Okay, well, I have to go into the military, I think, to do this. Um, it you know, wasn't you had to, but it was most people did that got hired by the major airlines. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to switch my degree to aviation management uh, and then I'm going to maybe look into the ROTC program at the school. I did that. A lot of the people that were in the aviation management were also in ROTC reserve officer training, uh, Corps. And they were the, the ones that had pilot slots, you know, they had them. And then a couple of weeks later they got taken away and then they got them back. And I'm thinking, I don't want to do this. I mean, like play army for the next few years and then not have a pilot slot. So I did my own research, found out that they should be having a pilot shortage by the time I graduate in 1981. And I was right. So I went over to the recruiter a couple of quarters before we graduated or I graduated. And so what do I need to do? I want to go to officer training school, but I want to be a pilot candidate. And he goes, you take these tests, blah, blah, blah. So I did that. A couple weeks later, he goes, hey, uh, hey, you did really, really well, especially on the navigator portion. So I want to submit your application oh. as a pilot or a navigator. And I'm thinking, cool. nobody warned me about this. Yeah, recruiters have certain quotas and stuff like that. And I thought, no, just something in my gut told me, no, don't do that. Don't fall for that. Uh, and I said, just submit me as a pilot candidate. If they turn me down, then we'll talk. Well, they accepted me as a pilot candidate. So, you know, after I graduated Amazing. a couple of weeks later, I'm in Montgomery at Maxwell Air Force Base, raising my hand and off I'm on an airplane to San Antonio to go to officer training school. And uh, I didn't have a pilot pilot's license or actually it's a pilot cert pilot certificate here in the U.S. And we can talk about that if you want. Uh, but um, so I had to go through the screening program because they have to see, you know, who's this guy? Uh, does he know? Does he have any hand-eye coordination? Can he handle going through pilot training in the Air Force? And so they put you through like a little mini program in a general aviation type of airplane, Cessna 172, and you get about 14 hours or so. And then once you pass that, they go, okay, this guy will be able to should be able to handle undergraduate pilot training in the Air Force. So then I went and learned how to become an officer for three months, basically, and, you know, got my my butter bars, my second lieutenant rank. And uh, then off I went to uh, Columbus, Mississippi to go to pilot training. And that takes about a year. And so I was in the Air Force, got out, got assigned a uh, C-141 Star Lifter, which is a high wing four engine transport kind of um, airplane. Yeah. Cool. And that's when I got to go and travel the world. I, I went to places literally completely around the world, every major continent, uh, every major country, mostly 
Pacific because I was uh, based up in Northern California at Travis Air Force Base, kind of between Sacramento and San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, yeah, so every trip, you know, started <laughs> um, basically uh, 75% of our trips were, were Pacific. And we'd go from um, Travis to Honolulu and then you'd lay over. Uh, we call it crew rest back in the Air Force. And then, so I, I you know, got to experience Hawaii like right away. I still remember being on Waikiki beach wow. uh, and going, wow, I can't believe I'm on Waikiki beach and they're paying me to do this job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, wow. So I did that, d- I did that for a few years. And then I went back uh, to the air training command to be an instructor pilot in the basic jet trainers. And so I did that for the last four years. And then I had my experience and then the airlines looked at me and said, Hey, you know, he's an instructor pilot and you know, he did well. Um, you know, he's perfect material for our company. So I got hired a um, little after I was in the Air Force for about seven, not quite a seven and a half years. And then, you know, 32 plus years ago, I got hired by. There we go. The Your airline. plan worked. Yeah. It all worked. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it. you know what? It Honestly, it was like together. I planned my professional life was like everything was just like building, building, focus, focus. And then when I finally got hired by the airline, I'm thinking it was almost a letdown. I was like, wow. Wow, what do I do now? <laughs> I, I'm serious. I was like, kind of in a wow. funk. Like, oh wait a minute, wow. I made it. All I have to do is make sure I don't screw something up, and yeah. I keep myself healthy. So I keep getting my medical certificate. You know, and yeah. we're good. So yeah, it's been a great career. Um, I, I just uh, timing is everything in the in the aviation world, and it's been a it's been a great life. Uh, yeah. And now you're climbing a harder mountain, the podcast. Oh yeah. Well, pod, that's what, <laughs> oh, that's the highest. That's my, that's my fun, man. These are my toys, all yeah. the, all the equipment yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, when I started the podcast, the reason why, and this is not the right reason to start a podcast. The reason I started a podcast wasn't because I wanted, I had a passion about something that I wanted to share with the world. It was because I wanted to play with all these toys. Cause I've always been into gadgets and micro. Oh, oh, yeah. my, I want to learn about microphones and interfaces and mixers and oh you know, digital audio workstations and all that stuff. And, uh, so all the people we've talked to, we've talked to quite a few people. You look, like you have the best, coolest setup of everything. <laughs> well, you know, I've been doing, I started the show in 2009 and, uh, but we didn't do, I mean, well, I was just doing them by myself with a, with a recorder and a cheap microphone. Uh, and then I started bringing in co-hosts back in 2015. So about six years after I started this whole thing. And then it got to the point where, well, if you have co-hosts and we all live in different places and we all have crazy schedules and how do we get together to record this thing? And so when we started, we were using something called Ustream, I think. And, and, uh, it was like, you know, one, one video <laughs> I was doing something really kind of, uh, clunky. Uh, it was like a video of me, but then when my co-hosts talked, so I pipe, you know, pipe them in via Skype and they all were, on, you know, two different Skype calls. And then I like put their picture up <laughs> in my, in my video. I mean, streaming was like a lot different there than it go. is now, not like zoom. Uh, and, uh, and then after a while, uh, Google hangouts on air and became a thing. And we, we used that for several years until they got rid of it. Darn it. But, um, right. yeah, so, um, using the video platform really is just, that's why we use it. It's because it's a, a platform. We really don't do the show for video. We do it for audio. Yeah. So like 90 something percent of the audience are listening to the show via, you know, downloadable podcast, audio podcast. Uh, but we do, 
record the show live and we have an audit live audience and all that kind of stuff so yeah all right well i think uh, we got to take a quick break but uh after these messages we'll be right back all right we're back and so uh yeah so rj you are going to try to convince me to become a pilot so basically aaron i i want to convince you that we you and i should go and get our pilot certificate look i've already learned something it's not called a pilot's license well but everybody does call it that it's like that's what okay, it's commonly okay. called so if i walked into the airport down in uh van nuys or yeah. whatever and said i, I want to figure out how to get my pilot's license yeah. they wouldn't kick me oh out. no no they wouldn't even bat an okay, eye good. they wouldn't even okay good. they wouldn't be yeah, a nerd like me and say oh no 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 <laughs> it's not a license it's a certificate <laughs> Let me tell you the difference. Um, you know, so yeah, I, okay. I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but, uh, just to be, you know, clear to everybody Please. out there and then go, well, this guy didn't know what he's talking about. Well, you know, we do, but yeah, pilot license. That's what everybody calls. I it. love it. Perfect. Yeah. So basically I have four kind of reasons, uh, topics that we can kind of bounce around. Yeah. The first one is, and this is kind of a broad one, but one of the reasons I think we should get our, uh, private pilot certificate is general, just self improvement. Blay, you're a you're a perfectionist. You like to always be better. You do a lot for your right. body, for your mind. You work yeah. out, blah blah blah. Yeah. I think you know it. Getting this type of thing, kind of like when you turned 16 and you started driving a car, you you developed more skills that made you a little more well rounded. Okay, they made you a better planner, short term and long term. And a better decision maker. Unless, I mean, your did driving not, is okay. questionable. Did not make me a better decision maker, <laughs> but I appreciate the thought. But it, it also like, you know, made you a more patient person. Probably it, you like kind of subconsciously learned when to like, you know, use your sense of urgency and stuff like that. You know, it just makes you more well-rounded. Okay. All right. I mean... You're digging out. You started out strong. And you started digging yourself into a hole, right, Jeff? I mean, I kind of feel like he started out like self improvement. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And he's like, it's helped you make better decisions. I'm like, driving has not better decisions. Patience, though, for sure. Nope. Um, patience for sure. Patience for sure. I especially say, in LA. Especially in LA. Yeah, I will say, um, yes, self improvement, obviously a big thing. And, and Captain Jeff, I will say to your point, I, I love the fact I see a lot of, I, I think you and I are very similar in the fact like your quest, your, 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 your love and want to become a pilot. And then that quest to become a pilot. I see that in myself a lot with certain things. Mm-hmm. And RJ, you too. I think the totally. three of us are very similar in that. Like we see a goal, we, we, and okay, how do we get there? And it's like yeah. a puzzle. It's kind of like. I'm going to solve this puzzle. So I love like hearing you talk, uh, uh, Captain Jeff, hearing you talk about, oh, you went to do this and okay, that didn't really, okay, you went to do that. Like that is me to a T a hundred percent. So, okay. All right. Self-improvement, strong, Captain, Captain Jeff, is there something that you think in your journey of kind of becoming a pilot and you've been a pilot for a long time, Mm -hmm. is there something that you think you could point to? that you learned about yourself? Mm, great question. Wow. That's deep. Great question. Uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you what, um, going the training that I personally went through because I, I didn't go through the civilian route. I went through the military route. 
the training was just amazing. It was, I mean, the best, you know, the, the best that you can possibly get and the things that you're exposed to, uh, the situations you get an airplane into are just, you're not going to experience that anywhere else. But I have to say that the training itself is extremely stressful, very stressful. Everything you do is graded, is evaluated, uh, you know, from the stand up in the morning, you know, and, you know, standing up and, and getting uh, quizzed about a certain emergency and what are you going to do? And you're standing at attention, sir, I'd maintain aircraft control, analyze the situation, take the appropriate action and land as soon as conditions permit. And then I would get my checklist out. And, but, you know, you go through all these things, very stressful. And that's just in the darn flight room, you know, and then you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you start learning about the stuff that you're going to do in the airplane that day. And then you go out, you know, you get your parachute on and your helmet and everything else. You walk out to the flight line. I mean, everything, everything you're doing is being graded. It's just very stressful. And honestly, you know, you'd think, I mean, if I did it now, I would have a blast. I would have, I would be grinning constantly, but back then, because I, of this high pressure, high stress, I hated it. I mean, I was like, if, if the weather got bad and we couldn't go flying that day, I mean, inside I was going, oh, thank God, I don't have to go fly <laughs> an airplane uh, because it was just a bit if you know, that's not true in like the, if you were to decide to go get a private pilot license, you would not be necessarily under that kind of, definitely not under that kind of stress. You know, you're just paying for the, it, you know, get in the plane, just go. Yeah. Know, Let's just have do. fun. Just do it. Just do it. And that's, <laughs> and that's why it's really important to make sure that, you know, when you decide to start getting lessons and everything else, and you know, getting, finding the right instructor for you and your personality and getting along and not feeling like, you know, you're butting heads and, and uh, you know, you're just trying to make it a nice, easygoing environment. And that kind of, that's, a, that's really important, I think. Um, yeah. Which, you know, you did, I didn't have that choice. I mean, I was assigned that table and that's your instructor pilot. Yeah. And you just hope <laughs> you that, you know, it. it works out. <laughs> um, but so what I learned about myself is that I, I don't, I handle like really high levels of stress um, for very short periods of time. Well, and that's really kind of one of the characteristics of a pilot being able to handle a situation where all of a sudden the engine quits and you go, okay, um, where do I, you know, I have one Jesus. and it's not working. The airplane's coming down, right? Whatever goes up must come down. You start looking around. Where am I going to put this thing down? Where, you know, is there an airport nearby? No. Okay. What's my next tour? You know, you're looking for all. <laughs> is there and a pool we can land in somewhere? Where? <laughs> a pool. Yeah, pool. Is there a well, pool somewhere? Yeah. yeah. You need a big pool. A um, pool. <laughs> oh. Uh, so I, um, you know, I, what I learned is that, um, I'm sorry, I got thrown off. The, um, the about yourself, yeah, yeah like about oh, the, the high levels of stress and short periods of time, but this constant, like every day in, day out, 12 hours a day or more, that that, that stress level constantly. I learned that I cannot have a job that will submit me to this or expose me to that kind of stress level because I'm not going to, I'm not going to grow up to be an old adult. I'm it just, I won't be able to do it. So that's what I really learned about myself is stress. I can handle short bursts, but long constant stress is just not for me. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to talk about uh, next. I kind of want to talk about the, the parts that you kind of have already highlighted that Mm -hmm. are amazing, which are, and this, you know, this is on a different level, obviously, mm-hmm. than where your whole career has been. Yeah. But 
if you have your if you are able to pilot a plane, Blay, the amount of freedom you have goes way up. I think like you, you can get to places easier. You don't have to worry about traffic necessarily. If we want to go up to big bear into the mountains, I have a friend who has his uh, private pilot or whatever it's called. And he goes up and it takes him an hour and it, and he just flies up to the mountains Mm -hmm. on the weekends. And it just sounds so like freeing. Like you can just forget about how much it costs for a second. (laughs) And, and just think about not sitting in traffic, going wherever you want. It's like being in a boat on a big lake, but way better because you're in the sky. <laughs> All right. I mean, I okay. Convenience. Is that is that kind convenience. of convenience? Convenience and freedom. and freedom, for sure. Captain Jeff, I here's a question for you, yeah. and, and maybe this is not under your purview mm-hmm. because you know you're you're an airline pilot, but you know, um, I would imagine before you can get in a plane and go somewhere, don't you have to register a flight plan and do, you can't just take a plane and go somewhere. It's not like a car. It's not, I'm going to go to this parking, this airplane parking lot, you know, uh, it's 600 miles away. You got to like do stuff, right? I mean, right. There's stuff involved. Well, the kind of flying I'm doing, absolutely. We're required to. Absolutely. Because yeah. we have to operate uh, under instrument flight rules. Um, whether it's and what does that mean? Uh, it's instrument flight rules. What what is that? Okay, so you have visual flight rules or VFR and IFR, which is okay. uh, instrument flight rules, and basically instrument flight rules means you're in a structured environment. You are talking to somebody. You're being controlled constantly. So when you're sitting at the gate, you call for clearance or you get it through your digital box, uh, your pre-departure clearance. And basically, uh, and in most airlines, uh, they have, you know, because we have all kinds of departments and everything else. And we have uh, flight dispatchers that do all the planning. They look at the weather. They look at the load on the airplane, um, FAA um, preferred routes and all that kind of stuff. And they put it into this big computer and it pumps out. And so it gives them fuel load and, and, and all the, you know, details of the flight. But it's like a certain path. And that's what I have to fly the air. I have to do that, that flight plan clearance unless air traffic control, once we're in the air, says, okay, you can do this now or we have a change to your flight plan, whatever. Whoa. It's just very controlled. So you're talking to ground control, you know, to to push back from your gate or or ramp control and then ground control to get to the runway. And then you're talking to tower and they're the ones that clear you for takeoff. And then they tell you to go and contact departure control. And then departure control tells you to go to, you know, the just multi-levels of all this communication. The whole time you're talking to different people the entire right. trip from when you get into the airplane to when you get out. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that, and they, Even if there's like turbulence or something, like mm-hmm. or you, you need to, it's getting like uncomfortable. Yeah. You have to call and ask. Yeah. And I can't just say, you know what? I bet. Wow that it's going to be a little bit smoother if I descent. Now you just can't descend. Well, you can, but that involves a lot of paperwork and uh, probably get fired for it. So, uh, you know, it's all about choices, right? No, you can't, you just can't do that. You have to say, Hey, look, we're getting a really bad ride. Do you know anything about this flight level or this altitude below us? You know, is it any, any better if it is, can we go down there? And then they have to clear you to do that. And so that's, and, and whether the weather is, you know, clear in a million or, you know, you're in the clouds the entire flight, that's you're still operating under IFR or instrument flight rules, uh, meaning that, you know, you have instruments that kind of you don't have to see anything, you know, until well, yeah, you sure. get close to landing or some airplanes. You don't even have to see anything until you're actually on the runway and you've landed. 
Um, That's amazing. It is really amazing. Now, VFR, visual flight rules, is what you're going to be doing when you um, get your training for a private pilot license. When you get your license certificate, you are a VFR qualified pilot. You cannot fly into um, instrument meteorological conditions because you just don't have that rating, that, that uh, license to do that. And uh, so you have to make sure that you're clear of clouds and you can see the horizon and you can see the ground, you know, you're, you're, it's, everything is visual. And uh, so that's what um, VFR flying is. And now Blight, your question about, well, you know, don't you have to file a flight plan and everything else? It's very highly recommended, even if you're flying VFR to do that. Because at least somebody has some idea that you're out there and your intent was to go to Big Bear. And if you didn't make it <laughs> yeah. in time, at least they have, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll know that, hey, do you know anything about this airplane? What, uh, <laughs> they, you know, you're, they're not here. Well, they were supposed to be here. You know, that's why you do it's that. Mexico. It's yeah. Well, yeah. The wrong way. <laughs> Oops. Uh, the other. Oops. Um, um, but so you, but, you know, the nice thing about VFR flying is you, you don't have to do that. Um, you can just get in the airplane. And just take off from the airport as long as you know you get clearance. If it's a towered airport, just take off, yeah. fly wherever you want to go. In fact, I've flown a, a few times with some friends who uh, have airplanes or partial ownership in airplanes. You go up and fly, and we're flying along, and they and I'm looking over there, and there's a, like a water tower or something like that. And I said, I wonder what that is. And he goes, Well, let's just go over there and find out. And, and they what? they always kind of chuckle a little bit. Yeah, you're not used to doing this, are you? And I went, No. <laughs> Don't we have to ask somebody? No. We just go and do that. You know, you just. You're on your own, basically. So it really is. I, you know what? I stand corrected. It really is more free than I thought. I, I was under the impression it was kind of all like you're describing with being an airline pilot, mm-hmm. but I, but it's not with the VFR. I guess you do have a lot more freedom. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Point number two. I had well done, RJ. Well done. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend in high school who was getting his pilot certificate, and I would go with him. Um, every now and then. And it, it did feel like we were just kind of like taking out the, the car or something like, you know, he would obviously get clearance and everything. And, and then we would fly, I'm from Kentucky. We would fly from Louisville to Lexington and eat lunch and Mm -hmm. then go back home. It was crazy. It like blew my mind that we were doing that. Mm -hmm. And out in that kind of airspace or, you know, there's not a lot of traffic, not like where you're right. living right now. Um, but, you know, the, it's a, out here, it's a lot more wide open when you're doing visual flight rules flying. You know, it's got to be a nice day. You know, you can't go out there when you're socked in right. and have a low overcast ceiling and that kind of thing. But out in California, even if it's a beautiful day and, you know, most days are out there, right? Uh, you still, there's a little bit more structure, even VFR flying. There's a, there's a little bit more structure out there because, I mean, the amount of traffic that's out there is just amazing. And so they have certain corridors you have to fly through and they have so many airports, you know, big commercial airports with big airliners flying in. So things aren't quite as easy breezy. I'm just going to go here and not talk sure. to anybody and do whatever I want. You know, it's a little bit more limited. Take old Bessie out for a, out for a spin. <laughs> for a yeah. spin. Yeah. Well, wow. so that, that kind of brings me to the third point, which is it kind of all uh, comes together for this, which is like, I I think in the same way that when you when you get your driver's license when you're 16, you it gives you a new like perspective on a part of the world in general, I I would think just because a we've already talked about like distances become different. Mm -hmm. It's just a different feeling. But then also like the perspective of 
Anytime, Belay, you and I have been in an airplane, we've been a passenger, we've had no control, and it almost doesn't feel real, except for when you take off and you land. When you're cruising and there's no turbulence, you look out the window, you're like, that could be the ground. Like that, it doesn't really feel like anything. Right. Yeah. But when you're controlling something at heights like that, I would have to think, and you know, Captain Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but that your perspective of the world in general totally changes. But isn't that bad? <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Part of being in a plane, I've never been afraid to fly ever. Part of being in a plane is I just am, it's not the reality of the fact I'm doing something no emperor or pharaoh <laughs> or anything has has ever done. I'm sitting in a chair in the sky. It is insane if you yeah. really think about it. What like the amazing technology, the, 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 the human achievement that it just takes to take a flight anywhere is bonkers. And yeah. I think the unreality of it is actually a positive for me. I don't know. Captain Jeff, what do you, what do you think? Does it ever just, do you, I mean, you've flown, so you have so you've logged so many hours yeah. that, yeah. I mean, when you first, I don't know if you could think back to when you first started flying, if there was that kind of majestic feeling or any fear, if you had any fear of, uh, you know, getting up in the air or the first couple of times you did it. Um, it, as far as fear is concerned, the only fear that I had when I was starting those initial hours of flying in a Cessna 150 uh, was like having to control the airplane and talk on the radio at the same time. <laughs> it was like, yeah, we call it the brain, yeah, you know, the brain yeah. disconnect switch. You know, you hit the, totally. you hit the totally. button to yeah. start talking and then all of a sudden the airplane just starts, you know, veering out of control. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, after a while you kind of start getting more used to, you know, and you, know, you guys, uh, talking, talking on a podcast or any kind of a broadcast, you know, you'd think it'd be easy just to go up, you know, open up the microphone, just start talking. It's not well, that sure, easy. And it's not, yeah, you know, yeah. it's kind of, right. yeah, kind of gives you a little bit of fear, maybe, you know, butterflies yeah, stage fright. Yeah. Sure. And then after a while you go, it's like, okay, I'm just talking to, I'm just talking to friends. Uh, just happens right. to be through this darn microphone thing. Um, <laughs> right. I'm just going to, going to fly to Lexington. It's just going to be a flight right. instead of a drive. But yeah, I, get it. I get it. But RJ, I so many, uh, you, you brought up so many things that are so important and that, that we tend, especially as pilots to forget about or really, really downplay and take for granted. And one of those is, and, and that's probably one of the hardest things about this job is being able to have to step back and go, do you see what, what you're able to do this job that you have? I mean, some people would give parts of their body to do what you do for a living. And we sure. are out there complaining because we don't get paid enough and we have to work too much. We don't have enough time off. And you know, this hotel sucks, you know, all these things, you know, we're kind of complaining about. And then you go, wait a minute, this is a really damn great fun job that we're doing. Yeah. And, but the perspective of being above the world and looking outside and seeing everything you can't even sometimes even recognize, as you said, I don't, I, I know there are houses and cars and people walking around, but I'm up so high. I can't see any of that. Um, but I know that it's there and it gives, it just gives you a, this perspective of the world and how you're such a teeny, teeny, tiny part of it. And your life really doesn't really matter that much compared to all the millions of people 
billions of people that are living on this planet. So it's, uh, it, even, even on the ground, my life doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that might be and another I, problem. I could die tomorrow. No one care. <laughs> yeah, I try sure. to think of cares. like, I try to think of like when you're in a plane and you have that, like you're, you're, you know, you're sitting and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden we've play, you and I've traveled quite a bit where it's like, you know, sometimes there's like severe turbulence kind of out of nowhere, or you go into a storm or whatever. And you kind of, that's when you remember that you're really high off the ground. Yeah. You're like, Oh, Oh, that's right. But then I try to think, then I try to think, Oh, well the, but the pilot who is controlling the thing we're in has such a different perspective because he's not just sitting there. You know what I mean? He's not just letting everything happen. We're up there probably whimpering and, and like <laughs> crying and, and just, and just, you wouldn't imagine the kind of fear that we have up. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. We, because we understand the machine and right. the, uh, honestly, and I tell this to people and it, I don't know if it makes any difference or not, but I think, you know, you get into turbulence and that's the thing that most passengers say that scares them about flying. And it's because, yeah, you know, you're flying or you're in your living room, per, you know, perfectly smooth. And all of a sudden your whole house is in a huge earthquake yeah. and yeah, yeah that, this is not normal. This, this is not cool. Uh, but I tell people that the, they've designed these airplanes to handle so much more than what you're going through there that, you know, if you went through what this airplane could really go through, you would not be happy at all. I mean, you would, <laughs> you would think that the wings were going to break off. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, the whole perspective that I have to tell you, one of the things that really gets my goat is, you know, cause I I've grown up just wanting to dreaming to get up in the air and fly uh, and, and just the fascination, even now, you know, I've been flying for more than 40 years. I have more than 23,000 hours of flying. I still am thrilled when I get in the airplane and I want to open up my window shade and look outside and see where we are. And we're, and I, I still appreciate that. And all the technology that Blake, you were talking about this, the sophistication of all the technology and everything else. And we take it so for granted and it just blows my mind when I get in an airplane as a passenger deadheading or, you know, traveling non-revenue, you know, just as a passenger. And I look and like two thirds of the, of the window shades in the airplane are closed. I'm thinking, oh, even yeah. young, even young kids, I'm thinking, and they're you know, like on their little video games and stuff like that. I'm thinking what, you know, that's how commonplace flying is now. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, I, I just don't understand. I can't, I can't relate to that. I'm thinking even now I want to have those windows open so I can look outside and see what we're flying over, you know? Oh, I'm with you. My wife always puts the shade down Mm -hmm. and I'm like, come on, like Mara, (laughs) whatever you're reading or doing, look out the window. This is, you don't get to do this every day. This is so cool. This is so much better. Right. There was a, there was a great, uh, I think about every time I got on a plane, I think about this. There was a story I think I like Good Morning America or something years and years ago where a man got ocular implants. All right. He was blind from birth and then got like like retinal or something, ocular implants where he could see. And it wasn't like perfect, but he could see pretty well. And they asked him what because, you know, he's been blind and all of a sudden you get sight. And he was and they asked him, like, what is the biggest surprise? Like, what are the what's the biggest thing? And he said two things. He said one it's really weird that things get smaller when they get further away. <laughs> oh, which is like, it is weird. That's interesting. Like, yeah. Oh, like perspective. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Right. Cause we all have as children, we've grown up, you know, whatever. Yeah. So that's, that's weird. Oh. But the other thing he said was, and airplanes are so much better when you can see, <laughs> because oh, it's like, yeah. you can, you're it's otherwise you're in a room that just like, 
Yeah. And then yeah. you're in a new place. But if you can look out the window, you can look around at what's going on. So mm-hmm. I think about that every time. Wow. And I, every time I think I'm about to put my shade down, I'm like, no, man. Think about that guy this with is, the implants. This is yeah, a gift. Yeah. yeah. This is a gift. That's cool. Yeah, no, sure. yeah it is. That's incredibly uh, cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So my 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 fourth thing, mm-hmm. quickly, this is uh, Blay. You're a comedian. You always love an audience. When you, when you're a pilot, you get a okay. microphone and you have a captive audience. Oh, no. All the pilot bits you could all do, right. all the pilot bits would be out of the world. This is almost cheating. This is almost cheating. Captain Jeff, deep, please tell me you've done some kind of great captain bit while you've been flying. This is what's going to get Blade to go over the years. This is almost cheating. So one of the things I, I, I love, you know, cause, because I love the podcasting thing and I've always loved radio and I've always, you know, imagined myself being a radio guy. Um, so I sort of am. Voice. And, and voice. I mean, a lot of people over the years said, yeah, yeah, your voice, you sound like you have a radio voice. You should have a radio. So I sort of do, you know, the podcasting thing is sort of like a radio program, right? Oh my God. It's the new, it's That's the new, the new it is the radio. Better. Yeah. You got something better. So, um, and by the way, I'm thinking, hey, I'm a pilot. I talk on the PA all the time. No big deal. All I have to do is, you know, hook up this microphone to the interface or mixer and blah, 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 and just start talking. It's going to be so easy. And then I go, oh, like, oh, this is not as easy as I thought it'd be. What am I going to talk about? You know, what am I going to, you know, it's it's totally different, actually. But You don't have a tight five you're doing for the passengers. <laughs> like, all right, everybody. Oh, where are you from? Where are you from? <laughs> so... And, you know, you have to be careful. You have to kind of balance all this stuff, especially if you're flying an airplane that has like entertainment systems and, you know, people are watching movies and every time you make a PA, you're interrupting their movie, you know, and they're like pulling their hair out and they want to kill you. Uh, So, you know, you got to be better than, got to be better than Avengers Endgame. I just watch the parts where they fight Thanos over and over. So that's what you're competing against. I love it when the pilot interrupts. That's my favorite part. I wish he was talking the whole time. So I, all the moves. I'm old school. I I'm, and I still, I get comments because, you know, I'm one of the older people now flying and, uh, just under three years, I'm going to be forced to give up my job as an airline pilot, um, here in the U S at 65 years old as mandatory pilot. I mean, when I was first hired, it was 60, then they changed that a few years later. So 65, that's it. Um, so, uh, but you know, you know, you have to, um, yeah, you have to balance what you're saying. You don't want to be on the PA the entire time because people, you know, some people would love it, but you know, honestly, most people would just like want to really hit you. Um, but back in the day, flying the 727, you know, I started out in back then. the The starting position uh, for our airline was flight engineer on the 727. So you're sitting sideways, you know, and they have a panel and all the systems and everything else. You don't have any controls over the airplane. You just have controls over the fuel and the, I mean, critical systems, but you're not actually flying the airplane. And typically, you know, it's always the captain's responsibility to do the, to do the PAs. But in general, back in those days and on a, on a three pilot crew, it was the flight engineer. He was responsible for doing all the PAs and that kind of thing. I had a great time. I even had this thing. Uh, I still have it in my bookshelf somewhere called the Skyclopedia. <laughs> what a dumb name, but um, it's like an encyclopedia of like flying stuff. And you can look it up and you're flying over Arkansas. You need to look up Arkansas and you find, you know, figure out about where you are and, you know, have oh, some inform- like fun information about the yes, place you're flying facts. over and that. Yeah. That's uh, and then, no, the 727 is, didn't have the fancy entertainment system. So you're not interrupting anybody's movie or anything. Um, and, so uh, but one of the one of the things I really loved doing was, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you look outside the left 
uh, or the left side of the airplane, you can see Chattanooga, Tennessee, and the Tennessee River. And if you're sitting on the right side, a very wonderful view of the Great Smoky Mountain National Forest and soon uh, the city of Knoxville. And if you're sitting in the middle seats, you can look down and see your feet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and I thought it was funny. Um, I love and, it. It's you know, I love uh, one time. I think about this a lot. Actually, a pilot was, they said, Oh, if you look out the left side, um, da, 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 da. And if you look out the right side, you'll wish you were sitting on the left side. Looking out. And I was like, oh, Total right side. Burn, That's amazing. Awesome. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I love that. But I, That's amazing. Old school, as I was saying now, even now, I'll do a thing when we are getting up to cruise altitude and I'll say, and most people will just say, Hey, we're, we're planning on getting on, on time or a couple minutes early and you know, not much more than that. And I say, okay, you know, I've turned off the seatbelt light, blah, blah, blah about, you know, keeping your seats with your seatbelts fastened, even the, the lights off and that kind of thing. But then the route of flight, I always talk about our route of flight and I can't tell you how many times people when they're getting off the airplane are just blown away by that. And they go, wow. It says, I, I remember back in the old days that, you know, they tell us about our route of flight. Thank you for doing You know, like they, they really yeah. find that that's an important thing. And, and you know, they can just take their iPad or their phone and connect to the Wi-Fi. and the airline that we, I uh, fly for has a great thing and even a moving map display, you know, you don't need me to tell you, but still they like, hearing that from the guy that's flying the airplane yeah. up front. And uh, so I love doing that. I still do that. And I'm going to do that until, you know, until I retire. And sadly that's kind of like out of style now. That's just like, that's what the old codgers do, but you know, we don't do that. You know what? You know, it's I, not all, it's not, it's classic. Yeah. I think it's classic. It it's and classic. I think it's, I think yeah, I people like it. appreciate it even still now, because the one thing you hear about the most, especially when you're on a, a, a bumpy flight, you know, flight with a lot of turbulence or whatever, you know, you're sitting next to people and people will say like, oh, you know, it's fine. Everything's fine because the computers fly these thing anyway. But th but there's something about a human coming over and saying, this is our plan. Mm -hmm. And there's a person who knows what yep. they're doing flying this aircraft that just makes everyone feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, you kind of relax a little bit. thinking, ah, yeah. This guy sounds like he knows what he's doing. He may <laughs> not like actually know how, but he yeah, sounds yeah. like he does. <laughs> Oh no, Blaze doing voices. Hey everybody, we're be oh, now I would recommend uh, against that. Get me out of here. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna yeah, take a it. quick break. Yeah. When we come back, Blaze is going to make his decision. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right, so RJ, with the help of Captain Jeff, are trying to convince me to get my airline certification my air my I, a pilot I'm, I'm not gonna be an airline pilot. Gonna yeah it's gonna take a it's gonna take a long time for that. Pilot, yeah. to become a pilot okay to become a yeah blaze gonna join uh, the air force join the air he's just gonna knock on the door and say i'm here yeah let's go uh and so rj what again very quickly outline your four points of contention we got self-improvement number two freedom number three you get a new perspective and number four, and the best thing, is airline, airplane bits over the PA. <laughs> that yeah, is the, the best, best part. <laughs> um, okay, well, here's, I got to say this. First of all, I'll, I'll work backwards. Okay. I, like I said before, almost cheating about the, because that, you know, I love bits. Yeah. I love airplane bits. I love going to the mall. I love mall bits. I think I'd be a great tour guide. <laughs> yeah, you know, you I would. used to, when I worked in 30 Rock, 
I used to t- I used to follow the tour guides around and re- and like remember all of the bits. Steal they their would bits. Do. Yeah. And then yeah. when people would come to visit me at work uh, back at late night with Conan O'Brien, I would do the same bits. Right. So I love bits. I'm a big bit big guy. Big bit guy. That maybe is number one. Okay. I, didn't, I, I didn't think about it, but it's maybe number one. That, that puts you over the edge, maybe? Yeah, I will say that's great. And, you know, I, and I just a very quick anecdote. Uh, I'm never going to become a helicopter pilot because I'm way too stupid. But I in, in Hawaii, we took a helicopter ride. My family of four did with this other couple. And the guy was super funny. You know, we all have our headsets on. And he's got his mic on and he's doing all these great bits, uh, water, all these bits, jungles, waterfalls, Hawaii stuff. <laughs> and the woman I felt so bad was pregnant and she got really sick in the helicopter because it's different. A helicopter yeah. is different than a plane. You're kind of going back and forth. And she spent the rest of the time just throwing up uh, on Mike. So oh she's no. like throwing up and just we're all just hearing. So he'd be like, coming up on the left. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just. I will never, I will always remember that to the day I die. She had her microphone on? Anyway, yeah, we all had oh, yeah. talking. Oh, yeah. It was too bad. There's... Him and she was just oh, that's the horrible. There was no way for him to turn off just her mic. Oh, she was puking. And it was, anyway, that, uh, that being said, I love the bits. Okay. Number, here's the thing. The freedom thing, I will say, I was wrong about that. I thought you needed to do a flight plan. Captain Jeff uh, corrected me in terms of, a VFR visual, uh, you know, um, instrument rating. You could kind of just go up and fly around. As long as the it's weather's nice. nice. Mm-hmm. As long as the weather's nice. So you know that's what you're doing. really cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I thought, I was like, oh, I don't want the man to put me down right down <laughs> where I got to go. But that's really cool that you could just do that. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing about seeing the world in a different, okay, fine. You know, yeah, you know, I, I, that's I mean, cool, it's but, true. You know, I'm a poetic guy. I'm already seeing the world through a different lens. Oh, all right. I'm already seeing it. I'm a, I'm a poet's mind. It's you a know? sad Warrior's lens. body, poet's Sad mind. lens. And what was your very first thing? Self-improvement. Oh, Be a better person. This is really the core of it, all right? <laughs> now, here's the thing we haven't really talked about. And RJ, I, Captain Jeff, I know we just met today, so you don't know this about me. RJ, I don't know if, I think we've talked about this. But here's the thing, man. I have a driver's license. I have a boating license. I am a master of land and a master of sea. I would like to complete I the think triumvirate and I become think you master of the air as well. Oh, yes. Master of air. <laughs> Trifecta. Now, that being said, yeah, I'm terrible at driving cars and I have sunk a boat. That's a real thing. <laughs> I, did, I did sink a boat once. <laughs> Um, and master I, might know, be a strong, strong word, a strong word. <laughs> yeah. I, and it was also a bet and, and it was in a cocky way. Like it was so shitty. The way I sunk the boat was this. I'm at my friend Pete's house and I, we get in the boat and his dock is kind of L shaped. It was like okay? a pontoon boat. What kind of boat are you talking about? No, it was a motorboat. Oh, oh, just, just, a, <laughs> and I gotcha. Like an aluminum boat with a, you know, an outboard motor. Gotcha. And I get in the back and we're going to go fishing. And I'm like, and I start the motor or whatever. And then he goes to get in and I'm like, later, sucker. And I go, <laughs> and I gun it really hard. And here's a thing. Just if you're listening, just a quick boat tip. You know? <laughs> Don't gun the motor and turn at the same time. Oh, yeah. Because what happens is the back of the boat turns and goes down. 
and all the water comes over the other side of the boat and it immediately sank. Like it was like, it wasn't like it was taking on water. It was like, later sucker, glug, glug, it's now at the bottom. And his dad made me take apart the engine. I had oh to drag God. it out, first of all. Made me take apart the engine and then I had to stand with a blow dryer, blow drying it. And it would, it never worked right after we got it working, but it never worked. So anyway, uh, yeah, I think, you know what? You've convinced me. I think I'm going to try to get my pilot's license. Amazing. Yay. Amazing. We're going to do not, it. I'm not going to be cocky about it because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Don't crash the airplane. And I take off and immediately hit a tree. Yeah. So, uh, yes, Captain Jeff, thank you for your expertise. Sure. You have convinced me. And RJ, frankly, I mean, you know, once you said the thing I could do bits, and yeah. they can't leave the room because we're in the sky. Hey, it was all RJ, man, not me. It was all. No, RJ. no, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> so thank I you. Do- I will be donating to the charity exactly. this week. Angelflightwest.org. If you guys also want to donate, that's the spot. By the way, that's an awesome, awesome organization. I mean, you couldn't have picked a better charity. There we go. Our Amazing. Picked a good one. Picked yeah. a good one. He always picks good ones. I give him crap. But uh, <laughs> and thank you to Captain Jeff for joining us. Please, everyone out there, do not forget do not forget to check out the Airline Pilot Guy Show wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, you can tune in for new episodes of Hear Me Out every Wednesday. Please rate and review it and tell your friends. If there's something you want us to debate, send us a little email at hearmeouthearmeout at gmail.com. Thank you to Brett Kushner for producing the podcast. Strange Hotels for the theme song. Thank you once again to Captain Jeff. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.